Hey, welcome, everybody. Welcome to River Glen. Uh, great to see you. Great to have you with us. My name is Ben. I'm one of the uh, pastors uh, here. And uh, I want you to know that uh, at River Glen, our doors swing wide open to welcome uh, everybody, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey. And uh, we have a vision to be one church in many uh, locations. And so everybody here at our Waukesha location, would you join me? And let's just give a big welcome to everybody on the other side of the camera in uh, Pewaukee and online. We love you guys and uh, great to have you uh, with us uh, today. Before I get started on uh, week number two of uh, Aftershock, the series that we're in, uh, I want to introduce a very special uh, guest uh, to you. Really excited uh, to introduce this person uh, to you. River Glen's always had a vision, a mission of reaching more people for Jesus through church planting. We're a church planting church. Back in 2010, we set a goal for the decade to help start 10 uh, new churches. Here's a list of uh, nine of those. It took us a little longer to get to number 10 than we have uh, planned, but we are so excited to announce uh, number 10. Uh, today, it's going to be located in Oak Creek. The name of it is the uh, 1128 Community. And the lead planter, his name is Mike Francisco. And uh, would you join me? And let's give a really big River Glen welcome to uh, Mike Francisco. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. Hey, thanks for coming over, Mike. Welcome. And uh, we're so excited to, to partner with you, and uh, we'd love to hear more. Tell us more about yeah, your Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for the friendship. Uh, it's been a great experience, just the, the couple months we've known each other. Uh, 1128, there's a story behind the name, uh, but if you open up to Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, uh, we believe there's an invitation there to do life different. And, uh, and so we want to bring this invitation to do life different, and, and that's our way of saying to do life with Jesus, to Oak Creek and to start a new church there. And we've been really encouraged since moving there, my wife and I, this summer. Uh, we've been encouraged to meet people that are looking for a church. We've met other pastors there that, that have said, with all the incredible growth in the area, we need more churches. I don't know, if for those of you that have driven down that way, there's just tons of stuff being built up. So there's a, a great need there. Uh, most exciting thing for me that's happened this last week is talking with the event coordinator for the city. She said, we don't have a church partner. Uh, we do all these events and we don't have a church partner that we can say, this is a good church. When somebody new moves to the area, we can't recommend a church to them. So would you fill that void? Uh, so we're just really excited for the opportunity to, to reach people in Oak Creek that don't have a church home, that are far from God, and to help them to do life different. That's awesome. We're excited to uh, partner with you guys and to walk with you and, and see this new church birth in October. In yes, October. yep, October. That's the, that's, awesome. that's the plan. Let me say a prayer. I want to pray for Mike. God, thank you so much for, for Mike, for his uh, faith and, and courage and willingness to serve you in this way to launch this new church. God, I know it's not going to be easy, and I just pray that you'll give him and his family and and his team, lots of, lots of strength, uh, lots of help. I pray you use uh, River Glen to be an encouragement and a support uh, to him. And God, I just pray for uh, Oak Creek and that community, that area. I pray that you'll open uh, people's hearts, people who need Jesus, and that you'll draw them to the 1128 uh, community and, and bless them with a really strong start uh, this fall. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thank you. 
Mike's going to be in the lobby uh, after the service. Stop by, say hello, speak a word of encouragement to him. And maybe you know somebody in Oak Creek or someone that might be interested in being part of 1128. Let them know. Uh, tell them if you're watching online, uh, here's his uh, email, his website. Uh, they're, they're beginning to do uh, preview services already. And uh, talk to Mike if you'd like to find out more about that. Well, last weekend we began a new series that I think is uh, very timely and relevant for all of us. It's called uh, Aftershock, Surviving an Economic uh, Earthquake. Because uh, 2020 felt like an earthquake followed by aftershock after aftershock after aftershock. Researchers have discovered that oftentimes aftershocks are more dangerous than the earthquake itself. And uh, even if an earthquake doesn't do a lot of uh, damage, aftershocks can cause enormous mental and emotional trauma. And uh, just, just being real, you know, 2020 has not only traumatized and impacted us physically and emotionally and spiritually, it has impacted all of us in some way financially. I mean, some businesses are, are, are barely hanging on, some have closed, some people have lost jobs, uh, some people are doing well, but they're living with increased fear and anxiety about the future. In fact, three out of four of us, 75% of us say that money is our number one worry in uh, life. And so last weekend, we focused on the word uh, preparation. We uncovered two of God's economic fences, and uh, if we live inside those fences, it leads to life. Outside the fence, fear, uh, famine, uh, worry. Inside the fence, peace and freedom and life. If you missed last week, and I hope you'll go to our website and uh, watch that message and apply those uh, teachings to your uh, life because the best way to survive an economic earthquake is to prepare uh, for it. But you know what? Most people are not prepared. I want to show you just a snapshot of what our finances look like in America and in a typical church like River Glen. This is from a study that was done right before uh, pre-COVID. Uh, and to help us uh, uh, visualize uh, these numbers and really kind of engage these numbers, when you walked in, I think you were handed some uh, candy. And uh, hopefully you didn't eat it yet. I know that might be uh, tempting, but we'll let you eat it in just a moment. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna call out your candy bar, okay? And when I do, uh, help me out here. Uh, I want you to just stand up for a moment and you're gonna represent a segment of the population in this uh, snapshot. And uh, this was totally random, okay? You know, we didn't do any profiling, no stereotyping, nothing like that. We just randomly handed the candy out, okay? Ready? All right, here we go. Okay, if you got the uh, 100 grand bar, 100 grand bar, would you stand up? Which is, I think, the best uh, candy bar uh, by far. And uh, stay standing. You represent uh, the 11%, the 11% that have paid off debt, and you have a fully funded emergency uh, fund, and you're excited, you're confident about the future. So let's give these people a hand, all right? 100 grand, thank you. You can go ahead and be seated. If you got the payday bar, payday bar, would you go ahead and stand up? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, you represent the 59% of us who live paycheck to uh, paycheck. And uh, you don't have a uh, fully funded emergency fund and you really have no plan to uh, create one. So no applause for you, okay? Uh, just go ahead and uh, sit down. All right, uh, if you got the uh, Nestle Crunch bar, you're living under the crunch. All right, would you go ahead and stand up? 
And you represent the 26% of us who are dealing with a lot of financial stress and uh, anxiety, even worried about bankruptcy. You can go ahead and uh, be seated. And then finally, uh, there, there's a few who got the milk duds. Uh, would you uh, stand up? Yeah, thank you. Okay, a few of you. You represent the uh, 4% who just feel totally overwhelmed right now. I mean, you've got lots of unpaid, overdue bills piling up and feeling just uh, bankrupt. All right, you can have a seat. Thanks a, thanks a lot for uh, playing along, everybody. And like I said, uh, you know, that, that was just random, and your candy may not match up at all with where you are uh, financially. But it shows us how so many people, so many of us live with financial stress and pressure in our church and uh, in America. So go ahead and eat your candy bar. Eat your candy bar. Maybe that'll help you feel a little bit uh, better. You know, if you're watching online, maybe put a little extra cream or sugar in your coffee, and uh, maybe that'll help you feel a little bit uh, better. And this is why we're, we're launching, as part of this series, a bunch of FPU groups. FPU stands for Financial Peace University. For many years, we've offered this class, and it has helped many people. In two weeks, we're getting ready to launch a bunch of, of, of groups on multiple nights across both uh, campuses, and we're also inviting life groups to do FPU, which is what our group is doing. Marnie and I have never done FPU before. We just started a few weeks ago, and it is excellent. I am just so surprised at how it's not just great financial information, it is highly inspirational, very motivating. Even if you're in that 100 grand group, uh, you're going you're gonna to find uh, new ways to uh, improve your finances. I think you're going to enjoy it, and you're going to be an encouragement uh, to uh, others. Normally, you pay $119, and some of you know this. You've done this. You pay $119 to take FPU, but we've reached an agreement with our, our publisher, and for a limited time, Everybody at River Glen can take FPU for free. You have access, we give you a code to all the videos and handouts and all their tools and, and uh, resources. I'm encouraging everybody to uh, do this. I mean, don't miss this uh, great opportunity at, at no charge. The best way to survive an economic earthquake is to prepare for it. FPU will help you uh, to do that. Now today, uh, the key word is transformation, okay? To survive an economic earthquake, we need preparation and transformation of our heart and our mind. And so today, I want to explore your mindset when it comes to uh, money. Scripture says in Romans chapter 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't just live and think like everybody else, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God transform the way you think. Think differently. But for many followers of Jesus, it is a struggle to develop a new mindset when it comes uh, to money. But what if I asked you this question? How many of you would love to have more blessings uh, from God? How many of you would love to have more uh, spiritual blessings, more relational blessings, even financial blessings from God? I, I, would, bet, I would bet 100% of us uh, would be in favor of, of that. If I'm, if I'm given the choice between more blessings or fewer blessings, I'm choosing more blessings every single time. Well, if you want more blessings, Acts chapter 20, verse 35 speaks directly to you. But this verse is so counterintuitive. Only those who experience transformation 
in their mind will believe and uh, embrace this verse. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 20. It says, the Lord Jesus himself said, said these words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, we tend to think the opposite, right? We think it's more, more blessed to receive than to give. But Jesus says, no, no, no. If you want more blessings, be more generous. King Solomon said the same thing in Proverbs chapter 11. It says, one person gives freely, and you would think somebody who gives freely is going to have less, but it says, yet gains even more. Another person withholds unduly. They could give, but they don't give. And look at, look at this. They come to uh, poverty. So what kind of person prospers? A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. One person gives freely and gains even more. Another person withholds and ends up in poverty. What's the difference? It all comes down to mindset. And so let me ask you, what's your mindset when it comes to money? What's your mindset when it comes to uh, finances? You know, many of us have what I think, uh, what I'm going to call a bag uh, mindset. You wonder what in the world is a bag uh, mindset. I'm going to talk about three different mindsets. And the first one is a bag mindset. Many people in our, in our world, uh, wealthy people, affluent people, live with a bag kind of uh, mindset where these people say, you know what, I just don't have, I just don't have an, an, enough. You know, I'd like to give more. I'd like to be generous. But you know, I, I, I just don't have enough. You never know what might uh, happen. Maybe, maybe some of you can relate to these words from uh, the Old Testament book of Haggai. In chapter 1, verse 6, it says, You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them, look at this, in pockets filled with holes. The King James Version says, Your bags are filled with uh, holes. You ever feel like you put some money in a bag? You put some money in your pocket and it's like there's, there's holes in, in it. You know, no matter how hard you try, you're like, there's just not enough when, when, when there's not enough left over. And so, you know, you think you're getting, you know, you think you're getting ahead and, and boom, your transmission goes out in your car. You think you're making some progress and all of a sudden the furnace goes out in your house. You send your kid off to college and, you know, lots <laughs> pour out. It feels like you're living with a bag with holes in it. And as much as you'd like to be generous, you don't feel like you can because it seems like everything that goes in the bag just comes right out the bottom of the bag. But let me ask you a question. And I think I know the answer to this question, but I want you to think about it. How much money would it take for you to feel fearless? How much, how much would it take for you to feel so safe and secure that you would never fear the bag mindset. I mean, how much would it take for you to feel like nothing could touch your kids, nothing could touch your, your, your grandkids? Uh, how much money would you need? You have an answer in mind? I, I think I know what it is. Here, here, here's the answer. It's more than you have right now. No matter how much you have, it's more than what you have. It's, it's always more. You see, the, the bag mindset is not really about a, an amount. It's about a, a mindset. It's interesting when you look in scripture, we come across a guy who was really consumed with the bag mindset. His name was Judas. Did you know this? That Judas was in charge of the money bag for the disciples of uh, Jesus. And he betrayed Jesus because he wanted another bag of money. He was so focused on the money bag, he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver in a little bag of, of, of money. And I know that 
sounds like something that we would never do, betray Jesus. But many people do the same thing today because they're more concerned about the bag than they are Jesus. Scripture teaches us the tithe belongs to God. Returning the first 10% of our income uh, to God uh, belongs uh, to God. But many people don't do that today because they're more concerned about what's in the bag than honoring and obeying Jesus. I'd, I'd love to give, but you know, my bag's got you know, holes in it. Got diapers to buy, got soccer gear to buy uh, for the kids, got a kid to uh, send to, to college. You know, I'd like to be uh, more generous, but I, I just can't. And, and with the coronavirus, you know, still on the loose, who knows what the future uh, holds. Now, the second mindset is, uh, is more fun uh, to talk about, and uh, we're going to call this the basket mindset. And this person believes that God is an abundant God, and he can be trusted. This person believes that because of God's abundance, we can give freely. Deuteronomy chapter 28 talks about the amazing blessings of, of, of God. Take a look at what verses 4 through 6 say. It says, the fruit of your loom... No, that's not what it says. It doesn't say fruit of your womb. It says fruit of your womb. Just seeing if you're still listening, still with me. Some of you are just waking up right now, and you're like, what, are we talking about underwear? No, no. Fruit of your womb uh, will be blessed. And the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Notice your basket will be blessed. Jesus gave another teaching about the basket. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, he said, Give, and it'll be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about a basket. Uh, back then, they knew that when harvest would come, they would harvest the wheat, Landowners would hire day workers to carry baskets and to fill them with wheat. Now, they were smart people, and so you know how they would fill the basket? They would probably fill it half full, maybe two-thirds full, because it would get really heavy. And you'd have to lug this basket across the, across the farm all day long. But at the end of the day, a generous landowner would often pay the day workers and say, that last basket of the day, that's yours to take home. And so how do you think they'd fill that last basket? They would fill it like I fill an Icy at uh, Target or a uh, Slurpee at uh, 7-Eleven. When you fill a Slurpee, here's what you do. You know, you fill it up and then you shake it and get the air out so you can fill up some more. And if you really use your skills, you fill up that domed lid, you fill it all the way up until it overflows out of that little hole on top and, uh, you know, you sneak a little drink, right? Nobody's looking and, and you uh, put a little more in, in there. I uh, drove by a 7-Eleven last week and I stopped in and I got a Slurpee, a pina colada, and it was really good and I filled it to overflowing and I went up to the uh, cashier to pay for it and she said something but she was wearing a mask and I couldn't understand her and I thought I was in trouble for sneaking a drink. But I, I said, what? She said, I'm not charging you for that. And uh, it's free. So I got a free Slurpee last week. I don't know why I got a free Slurpee, but maybe it was a blessing of God. I don't know. Maybe God was uh, having some fun, but it was, it was really good. But just like you fill a Slurpee 
to overflowing, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, they would take their basket and they'd put in a good measure of wheat and they would shake it together and they would press it down. And then they'd put another measure in and they'd shake it together and press it down. And because of the generosity of the, of the landowner, their basket would just overflow with wheat. And Jesus says that that's the kind of God that we have. He's the God of the abundance. And when we're faithful with the little that we have in the bag, God can trust us. And he fills our basket with more materially and other uh, blessings. But he will provide real kinds of, of blessings so that your basket will overflow. Now, here's the difference between the bag mindset and the basket mindset. Bag mindset people, I mean, they just can't get over their fear about trusting God. Basket mindset people know that God can be trusted because he always keeps his uh, promises. But this is hard uh, for us because we didn't come out of the womb, you know, natural born givers, did we? We, became, we came out of our mother's womb, natural born uh, takers. I mean, uh, you know, when, what's the hardest thing to teach a little kid? To share, right? To uh, give. You, did you have to teach your kid how to, how to take? You know, did you have to say, hey, hey, Christopher, uh, you know, when you see your three-year-old buddy with a toy that you want, go over there and grab it and say, mine. Did you have to do that? No. Uh, kids know how to take on their own. I still battle a tendency to take and uh, uh, not uh, share and, uh, and, and give, especially when it comes to food. I don't like to share my food. I don't know about you. Do you like to share your food? I don't like to share. No, I don't like to share my food. My wife, Marnie, loves to share food. We'll be out at a restaurant somewhere, and I'll order something, and uh, she'll go, oh, good. I've always wanted to try that. Or we'll go through a drive through and I'll say to her, you, you want fries with that? And she'll say, ah, no, I'll just have some of yours. And I'm like, no, you won't. You're not getting any of my fries. I'll order you two fries. You're not getting any of mine. And I get all the fries at the bottom of the bag, too. But basket people experience a transformation in their mind because they know God can be trusted. They know that God can resupply. They know that with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Now, the third type of mindset is something that I just pray that you'll have the, the faith and the, the trust in God to experience someday. There's a, there's, a, there's a bag mindset, there's a basket mindset, and then there's a barn mindset. We didn't have room to put a barn on stage, obviously, but I'm going with a toy barn here. My 19-month-old uh, granddaughter, Emily, would love uh, this barn. It opens up, and it's got animals and farm equipment and chickens that lay eggs. It represents how the person with a barn mindset knows that God is infinitely more than enough. He is infinitely more than able. Look at what Deuteronomy uh, chapter 25, verse 8 says. It says, the Lord will send a blessing on your what? On your barns. And on everything you put your hand to, the Lord your God will bless you in the land that he's giving you. Imagine something. Imagine that you're faithful with what God gives you in the bag. And then you're faithful with what God gives you in the basket. So that your barns, God makes your barns overflowing. Not just for you to enjoy, but to bless other people through you. That's what happened to Joseph in the Old Testament. He was thrown into a pit by his brothers. He was sold into slavery, and then he was thrown into prison. But Joseph stayed faithful to God. 
And God elevated Joseph to the number two leader in Egypt and gave him barns that were overflowing uh, with food because God knew that uh, Joseph was not the kind of person who would say, you know, this is for me. Uh, He said, this is for us. And he was able to feed the entire nation of Egypt because God trusted him with barns that were overflowing. Proverbs chapter three shows how God actually watches and tests us for this, this type of barn mindset. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. For us, that'd be like the, the tithe, returning that first 10% of our income uh, to uh, God. We return the tithe, the tithe belongs to God. And then it says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. See, the beauty of the tithe is that it teaches us to trust God. It teaches us that God can do more with 90% that is blessed than 100% that is not blessed. When we return the tithe back to God, he blesses our, our finances and he begins to fill our barns and we're able to bless many other uh, people. Now, I, I know I've got a long way to go in this area, a long way to grow. And some of you have more faith and trust than I do, but God has has, has taught me some things in this area of my life. I grew up with a bag mindset. I just spent everything that I had, even when I was a college student and a young adult. But when Marnie and I got married, we decided, we made a decision to be basket uh, people, basket mindset, and we started returning a tithe to God. But over the years, we gradually increased our giving beyond a tithe, and we've learned that when we give, God gives so many blessings back in so many other ways. We set it up electronically like many of you do with, with push pay because we tend to um, prioritize what we automate. And so when I get paid, uh, it automatically returns our, our tithe before we even have a chance to spend it. Over the years, we've participated in, in many generosity initiatives here at River Glen when we purchased the land, when we uh, built the first phase of our building when we expanded and we added this space in the lobby and then when we expanded and started the campus in, in Pewaukee, we decided, Marnie and I decided that we wanted to become barn mindset people. And God enabled us to, to double tithe and give over 20% for uh, several of those years during those uh, generosity initiatives. Now, I'm not, try- I'm not sharing this with you to, to brag about me. I, I'm because the only person I can brag about is God. God is faithful to his promises. It's one of the most important life-changing experiences that God's done in our lives. And we've learned that it really is more blessed to give than to receive. And I know sometimes people get critical of pastors and they say, you know, why do pastors even bother to talk about money? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus did. If you read the Gospels, the biographies about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He occasionally talked about heaven or hell. He talked about money all the time because he knew it was God's chief competitor. Money is the chief competitor for your heart. You know, it's not like you're trying to choose between, oh, you know, God or, you know, Satan. Gee, I don't know which one to choose. You know, which, which, no, that's not your struggle. Uh, That's why Jesus said, I want your treasure because your heart will follow. Your heart and your treasure are connected, and I want your heart. 
I want your treasure because I know your heart will follow. But if you're not careful, you'll put your hope in wealth and it'll accidentally become your God. That's why Jesus wants your uh, heart. And Jesus uses your generosity to fulfill his mission and to change the lives of, of more people. I am so, I'm so grateful to serve at a, at a church with so many generous people. Your generosity has enabled us to, uh, to, to help plant uh, 10 new churches this last, uh, uh, this last uh, decade, 11, including the Ridge. We, we actually helped start them before uh, 2010. But think about the, the, the lives uh, that, that'll change. Think about the eternal destinies that are changed through your generosity. And because of your generosity, we were able to pack and send 100,000 meals to Panama in the month of November during the pandemic. Because of your generosity, some of you may not know this, we helped start a Christian school in one of the poorest slums in the world, in Nairobi, Kenya. We still support children in that community. Because of your generosity, we've got many local partners like Habitat for Humanity. We've helped construct three new homes in the city of Waukesha. Next month, we're getting ready to break ground on number four and number five. And because of your generosity, we uh, bought a new furnace for the, he for the Hebron house. They provide uh, shelter for homeless people in Waukesha, in the Waukesha uh, community. They thought they were gonna go this winter without heat. But because of your generosity, we were able to step in and buy a furnace, which has been very timely with the bitter cold this winter. I, I believe the reason God has blessed River Glen so much, it goes back to so many generous people. So many people start attending here and they've got a, they come here with a bag mindset and then they move to a basket uh, mindset and then God blesses their barns to overflowing and God has blessed our church. So what's your mindset when it comes to finances? How is God uh, trying to transform your mindset today? And I'll never forget about a year ago, on a Sunday afternoon, I was, I was here uh, at the office uh, finishing up and I got a text message uh, from my son. He's a big sports fan and uh, he let me know about the uh, helicopter crash in uh, California that uh, took the life of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and, and seven others. Kobe was one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He's on his way to watch his daughter play uh, basketball. But uh, tragically, the helicopter crashed into a hillside. Nobody could understand why the uh, helicopter crashed. And so federal investigators have taken a year. They took a year to study the crash. And uh, just about a week ago, they released, released their results, their findings. They found no mechanical problems with the helicopter. Here's what they think happened. There was fog that morning and they believe the pilot of the, the helicopter, an experienced pilot, he experienced what's called spatial disorientation. It's a confusion in your brain where you think you know where you are. You think you've got it all figured out, but, but you don't. And when this happens, a pilot can take the controls and think he's flying upward and he's flying downward. And he crashed into the side of a hill, spatial disorientation. That's why the Bible gives us these teachings that we've looked at today, because it's possible that some of us are flying through life so fast, we don't realize that we're heading in the wrong direction. 
when it comes to money. We think we're going up and we're going down. And so I've been praying that God would use this time that we have together today to renew our minds, to change our thinking, to transform our minds and our, and our hearts and the way we think about money. Jesus said you're more blessed when you give than when you receive. And sometimes it takes a pandemic. Sometimes it takes an earthquake followed by aftershocks to get us to recalibrate and head in the right direction. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your word and your presence in the work of your Holy Spirit. We ask God that you would speak into our lives and that you would grow our faith beyond a, a, a bag mindset and even beyond the, the basket mindset, but to, to see that you've already blessed us with barns that are, that are full. God, may we be transformed by the renewing of our minds when it comes to our hearts for generosity. God, forgive us when we forget that, that you're the owner and that you are the provider of everything. Forgive us when we trust what's in the bag more than we trust you. God, I pray that all the people in this church who listen or view this message online would be more blessed that a heart of, of generosity would overwhelm them. God, we thank you that our, that our baskets overflow and that, that when it does, it's not all for us. You've blessed us so that we could be a blessing to others. And we lift our prayers today in the name of Jesus who has been generous and given everything to us, even his very life. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.